everyone. Hi, everybody. This is God Sad for the Sad Truth. I believe that my current guest that you're seeing right now might be a three-peat on the Sad Truth. I'll have to go back to see whether... Lawrence, can you confirm, is this your second or third appearance? Uh, it is my third appearance. Anything else is mis or disinformation. <laughs> Zionist misinformation. Uh, I would Zionist ask. disinformation. Yes, exactly. The, uh, well, you are now in a very, very elite group of people to be a three-peat, but it's 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 never too soon to speak to you again, although I wish it were under better circumstances. This is, for those of you who don't know, Lawrence Fox, who is a British actor, social commentator, journalist and also the head of the reclaim party so officially also a politician recently he faced some very very uh, hot waters because he committed a linguistic genocide and so maybe we can start with that story and then proceed to other lunacy that is engulfing us take it away um, is the, are we referring to the linguistic genocide being um saying that i didn't want to have sex with someone would that be the <laughs> that's the one crime? or as the british so eloquently put it i wouldn't shag her or something you know i i i think that word came into my my mind when i was watching austin powers 20 plus years ago you know whatever he would use that term but of course it has re-entered the lexicon of the north american mind via your story tell us what happened so uh, there was an, uh, I think she's a journalist. I don't know what she is, or a social commentator called Ava Evans, who is, um, whose favorite word seemingly is shag, weirdly, because people have gone back through her tweets to find her saying the word shag more than anyone else. Uh, she, she belittled the idea of male mental health and the fact that the biggest killer of men under 50 in the UK is suicide. Um, I was asked to go on GB News, to, which I used to be hired by to, to discuss it. And um, it because of my personal experiences with male suicide, I was very annoyed. And I, I tried to make the point that any man who locked himself into a relationship with a 44th wave feminist like that was committing himself to a life of abject misery. Uh, and that came out, probably could have come out better. But GB News, a very org organized pylon was uh, arranged and um, Loza was was hoofed from his job. And so I, I just last week, I had Calvin Robinson on the show, uh, who very honorably and nobly came to your defense. And so he was fired by proxy because you're so toxic that anybody who comes out publicly in support of your position needs to also be guillotined. Yes. I mean, I think his treatment should have been harder. Uh, not only should he have been fired, but potentially killed. Flogged? flogged well i mean why stop at flogging you oh know, so decapitation oh the whole thing hung drawn and quarters like like the good old days um it yeah i mean it, it, the great thing about situations like this is it always informs you of who the truly courageous honey badgers are and um calvin robinson is one and uh you know here he here's a lot to lose you know and this this is a guy who's been cancelled from everything because he refuses to be uh, what they call politically black. You know, he may be racially black, but he doesn't have the right politics for, yes. for how black people should think. So uh, he gets more abuse. I mean, I get a lot of abuse, but the abuse that Calvin gets, he gets the racism on top of the um, fact that he just refuses to think like an oppressed little minority that he's meant to behave like. He, he actually believes 
that his brain and his merit might get him somewhere. I mean, this is ridiculous. Why well, don't you dis- just take it? I was going to say, disgusting. It's, it's disgusting that he feels as though he's got personal agency and personal dignity. I mean, we don't want minorities to be thinking that they are individuals, do we? No, 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 no. We we, we absolutely don't. We want we want minorities to believe 100 percent that the that the the world is against them and the only people that can look after them are white people. And once we realize this system and we understand it, that guilty white liberals are the answer, and that it is not in any way racist at all to look at your fellow human being and see them as somehow an underdog that you need to help just based on something as stupid as the color of their skin. The world would be a happier place, Gad, and we need to get to that place. Now, Minorities watch, need to accept. Watch yeah. how someone is going to take this clip that is, yes, <laughs> satirical, and uh, prepare for a new wave of hate, Lawrence. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so where are we in the GB News firing? What, what, I mean, yes, you're fired. Is there a lawsuit that's being mounted? Can you talk about where we are? What, what's the current situation? I just sent them a, an email actually about 30 seconds ago because the deadline to appeal is 5 p.m. UK time today. I've just sent them an email saying that they've uh, fired me because, uh, and I'm appealing against it because of sexual discrimination. Because if one of our holy 44th wave feminists had said the same about me, um, everyone would have laughed, which indeed they did on um, British TV two days later. They were going, I, I, I felt objectified. I felt sick. Yes. Threatened. My mental health. It, it's just it's just appalling. So I'm I'm appealing my um, my sacking for gross misconduct because this the, these rules would not apply to a female in the, in the same situation. Do you feel that the the ecosystem is is potentially going to you know rule in your favor? I mean, I understand that there is a facetious element to to what you're saying, but I mean, it is true that there is a grotesque double standard. Will people be on your side, or do you think it's a losing battle? Nothing is a losing battle in the in the march towards progressivism, and I will fight tooth and nail for absolute equity between men and women. I think equity is what is what's required. And, you know, moving forward in campaigns, I'd like to see more female suicide because I'd like them to get up there with the men. And, you know, I want to see I, I want to see women dying in war. I want to see women sewer cleaners. I, I want to see this happen. Well, by the way, as you know, our both of our intellectual hero, uh, Hillary Clinton, famously said in a speech that when men go to war and die in the thousands if not millions the real victim is are the women that are left to 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 mourn them so even when men are blown up in war the real victim of such a reality are women that's clear this has been obvious to anyone anyone with a brain for years hillary clinton peace be upon her is one of the one of the finest uh, politicians that america has ever produced you know she she had the 2016 election was robbed from her it was definitely true uh, the evil tyrant donald trump robbed the election of her with the assistance of russian disinformation so hopefully her influence which is working its way through the white house in america at the moment will continue to bring great prosperousness to the na- to the great nation of america Amen. Amen. Mashallah. All right. Let's move on to another hot topic, maybe with slightly bigger geopolitical ramifications uh, than your 
otherwise very tragic personal situation. Although your personal situation is a manifestation of the greater zeitgeist that we are seeing. Uh, what? How is it looking in terms of uh, the safety of Jews in uh, England these days? Well, we've seen, we've had our own Kristallnacht in uh, North London, which is tends to be the home of the Jewish community in the UK. We've had their stores uh, vandalized and the glass broken. Uh, we've had 5,000 Hamas supporting uh, non-assimilated British people or non-British people, who knows these days with open borders, uh, out celebrating the appalling uh, things that have happened in Israel. And um, I, I think the, the Jewish community, we've had headmasters saying, please, uh, they've cancelled detentions in schools. They're saying, don't wear your blazers into schools. The Jewish community feel terrified. Uh, in the UK, we, the, the national broadcaster, uh, the BBC, refuses to label Hamas a terrorist organisation, although the, our own royal family came out and called them a terrorist organisation. They've been labelled by our own government as a terrorist organisation. But the British Benevolent Bullshit Corporation have decided that, uh, that you know, in the interests of balance, that they're not going to say that those who rape and murder women and children are terrorists. So... It's it's a very very bad time to be to be a British Jew, I would say at the moment. But the, the, the we're we're grateful to the Football Association, peace be upon it, for having put every single flag they could possibly put on the famous Wembley arches. You know, I know you love football. They put the LGBTQ flag, they put yes. the Ukrainian flag, but they're not going to put the Israeli flag on the on the on the arches. Yes. And also, I mean, you have to I think you're you're being unfair to them in that they, they do perform the the kneeling ritual, which I found to be very powerful and moving and, and changing the, the needle of people's hearts. So there is that at least. Oh, well, I, I, and to, to know, having seen the uh, the wonderful outpourings from Black Lives Matter Chicago, which moved me so much to see the paragliding <laughs> terrorists just before they went to massacre innocent people dancing at a party. For Black Lives Matter Ch Chicago to say that and, and to know that these people earning tiny amounts of money, like £250,000 a week, they have nothing, these footballers, to know that they're kneeling to that Marxist, racist organisation must give us hope. <laughs> that the that, that the footballers will lead us out of this problem. I'm I'm slightly feeling aggrieved by the fact that you are as sarcastic as I am. I don't appreciate that. I need to always be the king of sarcasm in any room. Well done, Mr. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but speaking of which, by the way, uh, but in all seriousness, uh, this is going to get serious really quickly. Um uh, your point about you know not the the Brits not where I saw the tweet by J.K. Rowling where she she put a little news clip you know of you know please don't wear Star of David if you're Jewish and or other Jewish accoutrement and so I just uh, put out a short one minute clip on my Twitter feed where I read from uh, very early in in my book in the the parasitic mind where I tell the story of as we were escaping. Uh, Lebanon, uh, you know, during the first year of the civil war in the mid seventies, uh, and the captain of the of the plane uh, announced that we were now out of uh, Lebanese airspace. My mother took out a uh, a pendant and said, 
you could now wear this proudly and you don't have to hide your identity. Now imagine 45 plus years later, I look at my children in Montreal, Canada, and I say to them the exact opposite of what my mother told me. Are you sure you want to wear that Star of David at the soccer field today, son? And so I don't think there's anything that can probably capture how poignant uh, the moment is than that, right? I mean, 1975, wear the Star of David as you leave Lebanon. 2023, don't wear Star of David in London. Don't wear it in Montreal. Could we ever get out of this mess, Lawrence? Um, It doesn't seem to be going to happen in a rush. You know, this idea that, A, we've got a real problem, as you you say in your book, and and as people have noticed, we've got a real problem with that. One second, guys, one of my dogs is on heat, and the other one's just chasing Go to your basket. Go to your basket. Um, we've got a we've got a major problem in this country with the use of language. So we've we've called everyone racist fascists for the last five or six years, and therefore we've run out of words to describe actual atrocity. We don't know what to call it anymore. So what happens is those that have been calling everyone racist fascists for the last uh, five years don't know what to say when something genuinely horrendous happens. So you lose all the nuance in it, and I think that. Of course, what in, in the real world, we would be saying we condemn, utterly condemn what Hamas have done, and we mourn completely the loss of innocent um, Palestinian life, the children that will die as a result of this. And that's not really a moral equivalence or, or a taking of a side. It's saying actions have reactions, don't they? And and in this case, justifiably, justifiable ones. I don't know how, in the situation, if I was put in that situation, I would have the fury of Ben Shapiro that he does. I don't think in a world where identity is more important than personality and reality, we're, all we're going to do is create more tribes to attack. And we're noticing a massive rise in anti-Semitism. We're, we're about to have a you know, a Labour government elected into the UK, which is riddled with anti-Semitism. So, you know, it's it's one of the few things you're allowed to be nowadays, yeah. is an anti-Semite. You know, I even heard some guy trying to explain that, saying it, calling it an anti-Semite was wrong because the Semites are from across all different parts of that area of the world. And I'm like, you know what we're talking about, man. Please try to stop um, doing this. And I'm not a geopolitical expert. I don't, under- I, I don't know the ins and outs of the of the Israeli-Palestine situation. What I do know is that if people are dancing at a party, you don't go in rape and massacre them. I know that's terrorism. So uh, the UK, I think, is tacit support for what has gone on, uh, as we've seen on the street. And I think in terms of the response from our political class, I think it's, you know, I w- it wouldn't make me feel particularly safe and confident. I wouldn't feel like, oh, yeah, really, people are behind us here. And as you see with the Football Association, but you know why the Football Association don't want to put the Jewish flag up? Because huge swathes of London would descend on that football stadium. Incredible. That's what would happen. You know, I mean, I'm by disposition, Lawrence, I'm an optimistic person. I, I, I have a sunny disposition. I like to see levity even in very serious situations, hence why we were going back and forth, you and I, trying to, to mock some of the lunacy. But the reality is it's difficult at times to find any silver linings, any optimism, because, you know, frankly, what I see is an irrevocable decline of the West because there are certain things that have been 
taken out of the proverbial, you know, the cat is out of the bag, that it would take unbelievably bold measures to reverse. Is it, do you do you have any optimism or do you share in this case my pessimism where, where are you on that continuum well i i you know the the second half of the eva evans story or eva evans story was on tuesday morning i was i had six policemen walk into my house barrel yes. through my front door and arrest me so i think the message is being sent to those who who wish to live in hope which i think is what god commands us to do you know trusting me with all your heart and all of this sort of stuff is um the message is being sent by the um by the progressives that you know if you won't shut up you won't if you don't stop talking about this stuff you're going to end up in jail and that that that's a worrying development for the united kingdom particularly because we have no free speech defense in this country at all and we have an awful lot of laws not being applied in the same way so I suppose if we're trying to break down the metrics of one of, of which you could measure whether how healthy a society is, the presumption of innocence, that's gone yeah. in the United Kingdom. That's finished. Free speech, gone. And equal application of the law, gone. So and when you vote for the political parties, you're essentially voting for exactly the same Aztec, sun worshipping, um, lunatic, you know, kind of old school weirdos. And the media will say, will parrot exactly the same line to the point where they won't even condemn pure nihilistic bondage. So my optimism is that at some point, the British people, this so-called silent majority, who are silent for a reason because they see what happens to people who actually speak out, will say enough is enough. But identity politics is destroying our, is destroying our country. It's making a nation of, 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 victims and you know no one needs to live in a state of victimhood but my optimism is that every time they've tried this they've lost they always overreach i do i do have faith so i believe that god is god is on our side and that he doesn't want people to hate each other and murder each other and kill each other and and find division in each other so i think there's hope in the long run i just don't know how how quickly we can we can turn this around you just have to look at the the reading materials I get sent from my son's school, the stuff that they talk about, the diversity, equity, and inclusion, the Black History Months, the Pride Months, the white privilege, all of this stuff. You're going, hang on, they, these guys are twenty years ahead of us. And as much as I hate what they stand for, because I think it is pure nihilism, I admire the hell out of them for how good they are at it. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, you know, I often when I'm when I'm delivering a lecture uh, in, in my consumer behavior class. And at one point I talk about the ethics of marketing to children, advertising to children. I say that, you know, usually the, 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 the psychological uh, explanation for when you should be allowed or not allowed to target children is a function of whether they have reached the cognitive developmental stage to be able to mount a, cognitive defense against your persuasion strategy, right? So the advertiser is trying to get me to buy this cereal or this chewing gum. And as long as I'm aware that that's what he's doing, I can then develop a counter argument point. And, and so we can debate as to whether that happens when the child is eight or six or 12. But how hypocritical is it that on the one hand, from this side of our mouth, we say, 
hey, advertisers, you can't target children and sell them cereals. They're simply too fragile and young to be able to understand what you're trying to do to them. But then from this side of the mouth, we can teach them about, uh, you know, queer, uh, whatever theory and, uh, you know, twerking drag queens when they're five and six, because we want to teach them how to be tolerant. You can't really square that circle, can you? No, but I don't think they care that they can't square the circle because nihilism is nihilism is not reasonable or rational. It's about the here and the now and grabbing and grabbing power. It, it has no meaning to it. If it had meaning to it, I think the reason why it bothers people who work in the common sense area of their mind is that they need things to make sense. Whereas the the nihilists, the wokists, whatever we call them, these parasitically minded people, they don't care. It doesn't bother them. They don't care that they're inconsistent. They don't care that they can turn around and they're clever too. So you just had, I think today, either in Canada or maybe it was Scotland in the UK, they've, they've changed the law of when a mind, as you were talking about, is developed enough to take responsibility for something. So a, a rapist has just been let out of jail because apparently at 25, he didn't know what he was doing. It's funny. I've I've actually used that exact argument when I talk about the the inconsistency of uh you know the the age and, and cognitive development. So if a, if if a child is seventeen years old, three hundred and sixty four days, therefore he's not yet eighteen. If he takes out an insurance policy against his parents, lies in wait, then kills them to collect the insurance money. Then the progressives come out and say, he's 17 years old, 364 days. He's a child. His prefrontal cortex won't develop until he's 25. He didn't know that that was wrong. But at the same time, if you are four years old and you say, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl, believe that child is ready to get that castration done because we have to believe them. Makes perfect sense. It does. I bet, but again, your bigotry is on show again, because I, I find it so upsetting that you, why would you stand against uh, gender affirming care for children? I, I just don't, I can't see, you know, why you would, why anyone other than a total bigot would not believe that the removing of genitals for someone who, who may or may not be mentally ill would be the first place to affirm the healthcare, right? If you've got something wrong going on in your mind and you're a bit worried about your identity, the take most off the balls. important thing, take off the balls, commit irreversible medical mutilation. And if, for you to try and present any kind of rational argument for that not being a good idea, I would imagine you'd struggle with. If I had my whip of self-disgust readily available, I would start self-flagellating, but I'll leave that for another time. All right. Uh, anything else that is, I mean, we have enough to upset us, but what are some other issues that are pissing the hell out of Lawrence Fox? I think we've got a, we, we have a major problem with the police uh, in, in this country. I think it, what what you want in society is as much stability as possible. And what we've noticed is, is we've had so much that we've become affluent and leisurely and lazy and we've created outrage mobs and all of this sort of stuff. But we have a major problem with the police who are going to send six people through my front door to arrest me for criticising a... I can't... What are the words I can't say as part of my bail conditions? For criticising some climate scam bollocks, for want of a better way of putting it. Uh, they'll send six through my door... But if um, if you lie on the street and glue yourself to the street in this country, they'll give you water and a hug. 
well, people's ambulances can't get to hospital and people die. And what you're noticing is that that once trust in the police is reduced, then general societal safety is undermined. So we need to return to some seriously objective policing without fear or favour. It's different uh, in the UK as it is to the States. And I don't know about Canada, what he's done with the guns, that crazy lunatic. No, but we're, it, we're you know, like you guys. It's 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 by consent. The police police us by consent, and we're starting to not consent to them policing us, and that's that's not good. That's the breakdown of law and order, and the breakdown of law and order leads to some seriously bad things. But you know, at the end of the day, Gad, I all of the things that I've said, some of them really in quite a hard way, and I do take responsibility for being a bit full on about these things. They've all come true. So if if what I anticipate is going to come true comes true, which is there's going to be pe people who are just going to get fed up after a while and they're going to turn around and there will there will be mass civil disobedience and there will be stuff like that. Then, you know, more innocent people are going to end up injured, hurt, dead, you know, because our government wouldn't stand stand up and do its job, which is to serve the people, not an ideology. What do you think? So, you know, I speak to many people on my show who are avowed, committed honey badgers. And I'm always, as someone who studies psychology, who studies behavioral sciences, who lectures on personality differences, what do you think? I mean, if there was a way for us to create a bottle that you can spray on people to help them find their, their testicles, help them find their spine, is there such a thing? Or is that something in your view, you're either born with it or not? Lawrence Fox has always been irreverent to bullshit. He's always fought this. Or is this something that you can help people develop? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we we should learn from our betters, the uh, progressives. So what the progressives do is they're very well organized. It doesn't matter if you're weak. There are several strong ones. What they do is they, they say, it doesn't matter if you're weak. We've got you. You will come with us. And and so they gather in a much bigger group. What we do is we're all so entrepreneurial that we we just look out for ourselves. I think we have to make it's like old John Wayne films. You know, they weren't made because everyone cared about westerns particularly. They were made because they were built to support and uphold the society which within which they were trying to celebrate. And the media was used to to uphold that society. Now everything is being used to dismantle it. So I would say what we need to do is make great, strong women who also maybe want to be mothers after, you know, I have people in my own family who took a bit of time to to get their kids up and running and then they went back to work and they, they went back stronger and better. I think we need to make the idea of having a family a great thing again. I mean, that's the best revolution. We need to make the idea of non-feminized men okay, not a toxic idea. And we just keep, I think ultimately leading by example and we'll see you find out but you know it's, it is pretty tragic that the only person who had any balls at all was Calvin Robinson and look what happened to him so the right needs to stop well, if it's the right it's not I don't think it is the right but the, the common sense people need to stop cancelling themselves would be a good start yeah. and start standing up for each other but we we you know I, I no one said it was going to be easy today yeah no I hear you uh speaking of uh you know promoting what should be very obvious to most people, we're sexually reproducing species. So having families should be an inherent indelible part of our human nature. I was recently, uh, I was honored to be invited uh, to Hungary uh, to speak at, I think it was the fifth uh, edition of the, I think it's called the Budapest Demographic Summit, where there were, uh, you know, uh, leading politicians from across Europe and also, you know, academics such as myself and so on, where we were 
getting together to talk about the importance of certainly promoting family values, promoting the idea that humans should be interested in having babies. How tragic it is that the, I mean, I, I'm speaking here as an evolutionist, although you don't need to be an evolutionist to understand this. Uh, the, the, the two steps of life are number one, survive, and number two, procreate. Hence the two mechanisms of Darwin, natural selection and sexual selection. And yet we have to have a summit in the West to say, hey guys, it's really important for people to make babies. Otherwise our societies die. It's absolutely insane. I mean, it truly is outrageous. Yeah, but I mean, what have they got to live for? We, the sun monster is going to kill us. And if the sun monster doesn't kill us, then a tidal wave is going to kill us. If a tidal wave is, doesn't kill us, then a pathogen is going to kill us. Human beings are the worst virus that has ever been let loose on this planet. And, you know, I th- what are we, 1.6 birth rate in the UK? We, we, we're not even, we aren't reproducing ourselves. So we're looking at the, the end of this. It's, it's, it's a, we replaced God with fear. And, you know, that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, the point of God is an outside higher authority beyond people. And that should apply to all monotheistic religions, really. But it, we've lost confidence in ours and we've been taught to. It's, they're so brilliant. They're so clever. What they've done is they basically we've got two generations in Britain of apologists and appeasers. That's what we've been built. Apologize for slavery. Apologize for colonialism. Apologize. 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 And it's like we—they said sorry. Now they're all dead. Can we start afresh in a genuinely progressive society? But no, there's still more white privilege that needs to be wrung out of someone, and white tears that need to be cried before um, we can move. We can move forward. But it—it it, it won't last forever because people hate misery, man. They want to laugh. They yeah. do. But at some point, people are going to, it'll be comedy that kills this. And that's why they, weirdly, I think why they went after me so much after the Abe Revens comment, because I was just going, who'd want to shag that? And, you know, I think men up and down the country who are, who have shagged one of them are sat there going, oh, God, not me. And that's, it's like, no, we've got to wipe that one out. We've got to obliterate it. But until our own side starts sounding up, until we start to see some, you know, rational well thought through arguments surviving then we we are the slaves to our woke masters yeah so two two quick points i of course i wholeheartedly agree with you about the importance of humor and play uh i use that within my arsenal of persuasion tactics partly because it's just my nature to be playful and to play and to be irreverent using sarcasm satire but also i think it's because it's an incredibly powerful tool to uh you know to to attack and mock stupidity, right? I mean, I, I in, in the parasitic mind, I basically argue that satire is akin to the surgeon's scalpel cutting through warm butter, right? And that's why dictators, usually when they're trying to get rid of the most dangerous people you know, within the ecosystem, they don't get rid of the guys with the biggest muscles. Those are easy to handle. They get rid of the satirist. They get rid of the guys with the sharp pens, with the sharp tongues. They are the ones that I need to get rid of because they stand to you know, mock me out of existence. And so I wholeheartedly agree with you uh, on that point. Secondly, uh, when you mention about, you know, fear and misery of the progressives, and and, and th- this is not to frivolously, you know, plug my books, but I, I talk about these things. So in my latest book, in the happiness book, I have a small section where I discuss why it is that 
the scientific research has repeatedly found that conservatives tend to be on average happier than the the ultra, you know, the progressives and so on. And I offer a speculative explanation, although I think it's quite plausible one, and I'd love to get your feedback on it. I argue that by the very nature of the word conservative, you wake up in the morning thinking that there are foundational values that are worth conserving, right? And therefore, I wake up with an existential sense of hope. Yes, I mean, yes, there are there are things that we can improve in our society always. No society is perfect. But I wake up thinking, hey, you know, presumption of innocence, freedom of speech, those are, you know, equality under the law. Oh, wow, those are good things. Let's keep fighting for those. The progressive, on the other hand, wakes up and says, this is a horrible system. This is racist, misogynistic, Islamophobic, transphobic, climate extremism. So around the corner lies unicornia, but I need to burn down the current system in order to get to the promised land. And therefore, by definition, I'm going to be existentially gloomy. What do you think of that theory? Yeah, I think it's, I, I mean, I, I feel exactly what you're saying. I suppose the way I would manifest it in my own head is that somebody who is a conservative believes that their children have a future and that, and that that future means something and therefore whatever they learned from their parents they they dilute out some of the stuff which wasn't so helpful and they refine the message and they pass it on to their children because they believe in the continuity of life whereas i think what progressives do is they want to mend today totally and immediately without really thinking about what needs to be mended and what the value of conservatism is now progressivism is great we if, if the world was run by conservatives there would be no um equality under the law for gay and lesbian people they just wouldn't they would have said nope so progressivism has its place and conservatism has its place but the most important thing is the tension between the two and seeing as we have no tension anymore it's like a it's like a, a tug of war where everyone is on the same side pulling an empty piece of rope, you know, and it and it doesn't help society. So what I I think, uh, I think we're we're like the rock and rollers, the conservatives now. We're we're like going, come on guys, let's fight for really rock and roll hardcore things like belief that nice buildings should be maintained and statues shouldn't be torn down and books shouldn't be rewritten, you know. And we need to make that cool, but I I hate the. Uh, I hate the progressive mindset so much, but I just admire them. I admire them. I just think, God, you're so good at this. Why can't we be as good as you at it? Because they are winning. And I think when they did this on the BBC, they said three days later, they went, they said the same joke to really objectify and harm my very sensitive soul. You know, um, when they did this, it was, that was them signaling to the public, A, we've won. And B, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Because we, we, and that to me is spooky. Yeah, no, I hear you. Are there in the, in the British ecosystem, are there, I mean, yes, there, I know of a few voices, but is there a movement of, you know, counter wokest folks, uh, that are starting to band together. I mean, yes, I know the folks from Trigonometry are are doing their bit within that ecosystem. You know, Nigel Farage does his thing, you do your thing. Is there a coming of minds so that to your earlier point, how progressives are so organized that a similar movement is happening within the uh, less woke folks? I don't think so, because one of the great things of the of the unwoke is that everyone wants to be in charge of that movement, whereas the wokies, they're happy to work in solidarity. 
with each other. So they don't care who's in charge. It's just like, we just got to get the course through. Whereas on our side, everyone wants to be in charge. You've seen, like, I mean, I've never been thrown under the bus by so many people as I was by the, the so-called home of free speech, <laughs> Jubilee News. So I don't know. I look at Calvin and I go, Calvin is a great is a great leader. I look at some of the work that people like Toby Young does. But there's there's not many people I would um, I would really trust with this with, with getting us out of this except God. Sorry to be old fashioned. <laughs> How about in academia? I mean, I remember in the old day, well, old not old days, but let's let's call it before he passed away. Roger Scruton would have been someone that we can say, okay, this is a very serious academic with a lot of academic gravitas, who's at least serving as a counterweight to some of the craziness. Is there another person that we can look to within the British academic ecosystem that could potentially replace or has replaced someone like Roger Scruton? Well, there's Lord John's assumption, who is, um, who you know, is uh, very liberal, but brilliantly liberal, liberal in the in the traditional sense or the classical sense. And then there's people like Douglas Murray, but D- Douglas is. Um, is called a, a racist just for saying that you know there's maybe six hundred thousand immigrants in a, onto a tiny island every year might not be a great idea, and we should banish those that have um, ideologies and uh, you know desires to destroy a country from living there. So I think the progressives are ahead of us. They they, they go the minute you're you start making a good a decent noise, they turn you into Satan, you know, and then and then the media turn you into Satan as well, and you become an outcast. So I hope, I think Douglas is great. I think Jonathan Sumption is fantastic. I think a lot of the rest uh, straddle the fence of truth. And they do that because they have the noble cause of trying to engage with progressives who tend not to want to engage with them anyway, unless it's for clicks. But I think that we've got a it, it's a parallel ecosystem. That's what you've got to build. You've got to go, look, ours is more fun than yours. People are smiling and having a laugh. And then get people to to come over. But um, yeah, there, there's there's some great thinkers in this country and we're we're very lucky. But we're as I said at the beginning, we're we're not protected in the in the way that America is. We don't have a first or a second amendment. And we'll probably find that is not a good thing come the next few years. Are there any projects that you are currently working on, whether it be in your acting career, your political career, whether it be in your media, you know, career that you'd like to share with us here now? Yeah, we're, we're, we are going to take the Department of Education to court for non-contact sexual abuse of children by allowing this uh, horrible stuff that they teach in schools the gender ideology that they teach in schools teaching kids that they can be born in the wrong body and all the social transitioning stuff so we'll be taking them on behalf of an ever-growing number of families now whose um young people tragic stories of young people who've been put through these very drastic life permanent life-changing situations and we're going to take the government and department of education to court because this is is as far as we're concerned is non-contact child abuse that's what they've done Wow. Uh, uh, any thoughts about uh, becoming uh, author Lawrence Fox and writing a book of some of your trials and tribulations? Yes, and also I have a I have a film which I've, I'm going to write when I when I go away. I've, I've I've got a film about a man who d- refuses to speak, and everyone just takes their own aggro out on him. And I think it's a, I think it's very pertinent for now. So I, I'm, I'm going to be stuck in front of my computer. All I got to do though is I got to ask the nice policeman, "Can I have my computer back?" 
<laughs> uh, Lawrence, if I come, well, not if, when, hopefully I come next to England, can I presume that you will be inviting me to some London derby match uh, to watch together because I've never been to a Premier game? Well, first, we'll go on an anti-Israel march. Yes, absolutely. Sorry. And then straight after, we'll go um, We'll go to the football. But we're going to need to, when you come, it's important that as you go through the airport, you find some Jews to spit at because <laughs> it's just, it's important. And I would argue that we can both agree that we should not be supporting disgusting Tottenham Hotspur because they are like the Jewish club of London, correct? Yes. I mean, how they're allowed to play football is disgusting. With a, Jew- with a Jewish owner and Jewish fans. I mean, have we learned nothing from the, the last few days of demonstrations? They should close the stadium, turn it into a mosque. Everyone will be happy. Inshallah, inshallah. Lawrence, you are such a delight. Your mind is sharp. Your tongue is spicy. You're a guy after my own heart. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay on the line so we could say goodbye offline. Very much appreciate you coming on the show. Love you, brother. Likewise. Cheers.